Ephesians chapter 2 tonight, and um, follow with me in verse number 1. I want to read for you a few passages uh, introductory uh, of this first couple of paragraphs, and we'll spend the balance of our time in the latter part of the chapter, but follow with me in verse 1. As Paul writes to this church, and he says, and you, has he quickened, it means he has made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, has he quickened us together. That's the second time you see that phrase, made us alive together in Christ. By grace are you saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. May God add his blessings tonight to the reading of his word. If you were with us last Sunday night, we began to move through chapter number one. And we've looked at, at Ephesians a number of times in uh, years gone by, but what I asked that you do last Sunday night when we were together is to take out a pen or a, a pencil and circle or underline some of the things that we have in Christ. Remember the movie Overcomer I spoke to you about? And in that movie, the girl who comes to faith in Christ, she sits down with the book of Ephesians and she begins to circle these same words that I'm going to give you tonight. If you go back to chapter 1, we circle the word blessed. God has blessed us. Verse 4, God has chosen us. Verse 5, he has adopted us. Verse 6, he has accepted us. Verse 7, he's redeemed us. Again, verse 7, he's forgiven us. Verse 10, he has uh, made us together in one. Verse 11, he's given us an inheritance. Verse 13, he has sealed us with the spirit of the promise. So all of those things and more we have in our personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So now what we're going to look at in chapter number two tonight is how Christ takes people who would ordinarily be separated from each other and separated from him and how he brings us all together. And to illustrate that, at the end of World War II, uh, you'll recall that uh, Germany, the nation Germany, was divided between the East and the West. And the West... Um, which was uh, America and France and Great Britain. We owned the western part of Germany. And the eastern part was under the control of the Soviet Union. And in 1952, uh, the Soviet Union put up that border, erected that border, and divided east and west Germany. And overnight, families were divided and families were separated. And then it was in the 1960s that they actually began to construct a concrete wall several feet high to divide East Germany from West Germany. And I remember when I was younger, not really realizing what that was about, uh, but you would always hear the conflict between East and West and communism and socialism and, uh, and East Germany and West Germany. And for years, that wall stood there to divide people. 
And then when Ronald Reagan became president, there was a time in his administration when he stood at the Brandenburg Gate there outside Germany, or outside East Germany, and he said to uh, the president of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, in, a, in an incredible speech, he said, Mr. Gorbachev, he said, tear down this wall. You remember that? That was a great speech, wasn't it? It's one of the greatest speeches historians tell us in all of history. But he challenged him to tear down that wall and to reunite Germany. Let there be a unification of the German people. And in just a few years after Ronald Reagan gave that speech, sure enough, the wall that separated East Germany from West Germany was taken down. And the first time in decades, the German people were unified again. The country was unified again as a whole. Walls that are erected separate people. Walls are barriers. And they can come in a number of different ways. You know, sometimes walls can be political in nature, and certain political parties might have such differences that they are separated. Walls can be, walls can be racial barriers. Uh, one race that is prejudiced against another race and won't let a certain race into their, into their lives because of the color of their skin or where they're from. Walls can be racial in nature. Walls can be religious in nature, and because someone's faith might be different, uh, they erect that wall and, and really don't let them into their lives. Walls can, can come as a result of a lot of different things. Many times, individuals who've been injured emotionally in their lives, either consciously or subconsciously, sometimes they will build kind of a wall around themselves and will be very reluctant to let anybody inside to uh, understand their emotions because they don't want to be hurt again in relationships. So barriers come in all shapes and sizes. They can be religious, they can be emotional, they can be racial, they can be political. But what the Lord did when he comes into our lives is he seeks to tear down those barriers. It could be a wall that we have erected because somebody has hurt our feelings or somebody said something about us that we felt like was unfair or misunderstood us. And, and because of that, then we've kind of built this wall around us and we're not going to let that person in and we're not going to get close to them or let them close to us. And what the Lord comes to do is he comes to tear down those, those walls, doesn't he? He comes to tear down those barriers because he doesn't want us to be divided. That's what the devil wants. The devil wants to divide us, but what God wants to do is unite us. And he can't unite us unless he uh, is allowed in our lives to tear down the walls that are erected from our own personal experiences. So if you will go to verse number 11, I want to show you how the Lord begins to talk about the tearing down of the walls that, that are built. Now, first of all, before we read verse 11, I want you to go back to verse number 10 and look what the God has done in our lives. He says, for we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to good work, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Look at that word workmanship. It comes from a Greek word where we get the word poem, that we are God's poem. God has, God has written about us. God has designed our lives. We are his poem. So because of that, in verse number 10, he says, wherefore, remember. So that word remember, it's a transition word, and it links everything that he's getting ready to say with what he has already said before. Wherefore, based on everything that you've read in this opening chapter, and if you will look at it again in verse number 1 of chapter 2, he says he's made you alive. He's quickened us together. 
Verse 5, he said it again, he's quickened us together. Again, verse number 6, he's raised us up together. Again, in verse 6, made us sit together. So do you see that word and the emphasis on that word, together, 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 together? Barriers say separate, divide, hold grudges, keep people at an arm's length, keep people at a distance. And all the time, God is saying, together, 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 together. And in our lives, it can be like East and West Germany. But God would say, tear down that wall, get over the hurt or the whatever, the prejudice in a person's heart, if it's racial prejudice, that we have to deal with that. And we recognize that Christ has made us his poem. We are his workmanship, and he wants us to be together. So, as he says, remember that in time past, we were Gentiles. We were separated from God, is what he is saying. Now, remember who's Paul writing to? The church at Ephesus. Here was a church, as we discussed last Sunday night, started out very, very well, very strong. But what had happened to the church just a few short years later? The book of Revelation was written in 90 A.D., around 90, 92 A.D. Uh, Paul founded the church of Ephesus in about 65 to 67 A.D. So about 30 years, not even 30 years, what had happened to the church at Ephesus? They had gone from a church that was growing and doing and wonderful things happening, and here's how John described the church at Ephesus in the book of Revelation. They had left their first love. So their love for God had diminished, had grown cold, and it was almost as though they had built religious barriers and said, it's just going to be our four and no more. And God said, let's tear those walls down. And that's the people group that Paul was writing to. So he reminds them of where he found them and what God has done in their life. Again, if you go back to verse 5, you were dead in trespasses and sin. But God, he says, is rich in mercy and love, made us alive. Then he says in verse 8, if you'll go there, for by grace you're saved. That's not of ourselves. It is God's gift. Isn't that a great passage, by the way? God's gift to us is a free gift of salvation. And he links that great doctrinal statement to remember. Remember. Remember what God has done for you and where he found you. It's from a Greek word that means to call to mind, to hold a memory. In fact, you find this the same Greek word used in Mark chapter 8. And I want to read you the story. Turn back to Mark chapter 8 for just a moment, and you will see this same word used uh, from, um, from Mark's uh, account of Jesus feeding the 4,000 or on the heels of feeding the 4,000. In fact, in Mark chapter number 8, you find Jesus who takes just a few pieces of bread, a few small fish, and feeds 4,000 people. And uh, no sooner is he finished doing that, when they get into a small boat and travel to the other side, and his disciples again begin to talk about bread, and Jesus said, have you already forgotten? Have you forgotten what I just have accomplished? In fact, go to verse number 17 of um, Mark chapter 8. Verse 17, and when Jesus knew it, he said to them, why reason you, because you have no bread? Perceive you not yet, neither understand, have you uh, your heart yet hardened? Now look in verse 18, you have eyes, but you do not see. You have ears, but you do not hear. Look at this, and do you not remember? 
How easy, he says, have we forgotten. Look in verse 19. He says, do you not remember when I break the five loaves among 5,000? How many baskets full of fragments took up? And when the seven among 4,000? How many baskets full of fragments took up? And he said, how is it that you do not understand? So Jesus said, how is it that you have forgotten that you failed to remember all that I've done for you. Now go back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 11. Wherefore, remember. Remember where God found you. We're in time past Gentiles. He describes what that was like. When, when you look at um, that the divide between the Jewish people and the non-Jewish people, it was a deep divide. It was a deep divide, and really it's a divide that still lingers even to this day. It was a, first of all, a religious wall that had been erected in their minds because the Jews knew the one true God, and if you were not Jewish, in their mind, you were not welcome to come to worship this one true God. Also, secondly, all non-Jewish people were excluded from Israeli citizenship. It was a division culturally, it was a division with ceremonies, it was a division with practices like circumcision or dietary laws, regulations, rules of cleanliness that were all designed to set the Jews apart. But it was also a divide that was racial, racial in nature. The Jews would trace their bloodline all the way back, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, non-Jews, Go back to Abraham, but that would be through Ishmael and Esau in Jewish thinking. So you see the barriers that they built? Racial, religious, cultural, all kinds of barriers. And the Lord says, I want to tear down those walls because in Christ, in Christ, there's not Jew or non-Jew. There's not Gentile and Jews, but we're all one. We're the family of God. We're the body of Christ. So Notice in the contrast, verse 11, he says, you used to be Gentiles, so remember what that was like. And he describes what that looked like in verse 12. And what I've done is I've underlined these uh, verb phrases. And look at the negative connotation in verse 12. He said, at that time, underline this, you were that without Christ. Being, look at this, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise look at the next phrase having no hope without god now that's where we all were without christ aliens from the commonwealth strangers from the covenants and the promise having no hope without god and then if you'll go down to verse number 19 you see the positive of that look in verse 19 now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners. That's the positive side. You're now fellow citizens and saints in the household of God. And so let me ask you, what made the difference? In verse number 12 and 13, if we were aliens, if we were foreigners, if we were without hope, if we were without God, and now in verse number 19, he says, we're not strangers any longer. We're not foreigners any longer. But now we're fellow citizens with the saints in the household of God. What made the difference? The difference is what took place in verse number 13. Verse 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you, who sometime were far off, that is distant, 
without hope, without God. Look at this. You are far off. You have been made nigh. You have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's what makes the difference. That's what moves us from being foreigners from God to being part of God's family. That's what moves us from having no inheritance with God's people to becoming an heir of of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. We're all part of the same family, he says. Now, look in verse 14. Talking about Christ, he is our peace, who has made both Jew and Gentile look one. And here it is. And he has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. It was a removal of hostility, in other words, between Jew and Gentile. That's the wall he's talking about. He's he's torn down that wall of hostility. He tore down that wall of prejudice, racial prejudice. He tore down that wall of, of emotional barriers that we erect. I've told you this before, but um, I guess it shows how sheltered I've lived in my life. But um, I guess without realizing it, I, I thought that racial prejudice was, was much more prominent in the United States than it was in other countries, perhaps, between uh, um, those who are black and those who are white. But I'll never forget when I went to Africa that uh, we were around, uh, we were around uh, black people every, every day, all day. And what I came to the realization was they were divided up into tribes. They had their own tribes. And they could look at each other's physical characteristics and features and know which tribe they were from. And I couldn't tell. You know, they all had the same skin color, but they could look at their facial features and know pretty close which tribe they were from. And I want you to know there was incredible prejudice among the tribes. And I would, I would have not guessed that. I would not have thought that. But there was incredible tr- prejudice among tribes. In fact, there was one rule in tribe that when the British left Kenya in the 1970s, they left this one rule in tribe. And this rule in tribe has the political power. And if you don't belong to that tribe, there are certain jobs that you can't have, um, certain perks that you get if you belong to that tribe. And it only increases the prejudice among the tribes there in Africa. So it's not just a phenomena that, that's here. But it's all around the world. People can build walls and have racial prejudice or emotional barriers that they build. And God says here that Christ came to tear all of that down. There's only one race of people anyway, and that's the human race, isn't it? We should not be separated thinking that one is superior to the other based on how much pigmentation it is in our skin, should we? But there's only one race of people, and that is the human family. That the Lord Jesus so loved that he came willingly to suffer and die to redeem us. So he, he, he removed the hostility of racial prejudice. He removed the hostility of religious prejudice. He removed the hostility of cultural prejudice between man and man, but also between man and God. Look in verse 15. Having abolished, that means to make inoperable, to render idle, to cause to cease. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Even, look at this now, the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of two, Jew and Gentile, one new man. So making peace. So what does that mean that he abolished? or made inoperable the law of commandments. 
That does not mean that somehow God has rendered the Ten Commandments ineffective or inoperable. No, 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 no. What he is saying is there is a difference between God's moral and his ceremonial laws. What is, what is God's moral laws? God's moral laws have, have always, listen, they have always been associated with the Ten Commandments. Do not kill and do not steal and do not covet and do not bear false witness. All of those Ten Commandments, they have a moral principle behind them. Well, you take all the commandments. You remember the scriptures say in the book of Numbers to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's in the book of Numbers, in the book of Leviticus. Jesus puts them both together in the New Testament, and he says this is the greatest commandment, that you love God with everything that you have, and you love your neighbor as yourself. So here's the principle of God's moral law wrapped up in that statement. With the commandments, if we love our neighbor, we would never steal from him. Isn't that right? If we love our neighbor, we would never murder him or her. If we love our neighbor, we would, we would not covet their possessions. So loving God and loving na- our neighbor, love God with everything that we have, love our neighbor as ourself, that is God's moral law, and that never changed. What then did he say was abolished with the, with the law of commandments? That was God's ceremonial law. What was the ceremonial law like for the Jewish people? They were not allowed to wear clothes made of more than one fabric. They were not allowed to eat certain types of food. It had to be kosher food. They had to come to the temple to offer sacrifices, and the sacrifice had to be prepared in a certain way. All of that was through tradition and through rituals and through ceremonies that God had laid out specifically for them to follow. All of that has been lifted. And today, listen, today, if you choose to eat pork or not eat pork, that has no effect on your spiritual walk, does it? If we choose to walk to wear garments made of one fabric, two fabrics, three fabrics, or whatever it might be, that's not violating the law from God because that was a tradition or a ceremony that is no longer part of the New Testament dispensation of grace. Why is it not? Because those kind of ceremonial laws used to identify the Jewish people as God's people. But let me ask you, who's God's people now? It's everybody who comes to faith in Jesus Christ, right? Because the wall had been torn down. And now those ceremonial laws don't separate us anymore. In fact, there was a time, in fact, we've studied about this in the book of Acts, where the apostle Paul got thrown into prison because he was accused of bringing a Gentile into the temple. Gentiles were forbidden from that. In fact, um, You could get uh, the death sentence, and Paul got that pretty much for being accused of that. But now, that's been torn down in God's sight. And there's no separation, there's no division, there's no walls, there's no barriers. But everybody is welcome, and everybody is invited to come to the Lord. So what was abolished when Jesus died? Not the Ten Commandments, not the moral laws of God. Just the ceremonial traditions, the ceremonial laws that a Jew and a Gentile could not eat together because in the Jewish mind, the Gentile was unclean. That's been, that's been done away with, hasn't it? And now we are one in Christ. So look in verse number, number uh, 16. He abolished in his flesh the law of commandments, verse 16. Why did he do that? That he might reconcile both unto God, that is both the Jew and the Gentile, to tear down the wall, 
to tear down the division, to remove the racial, the religious, the cultural divide. Look at this. And make them in one body by the cross, having slain the enemy thereby. Now, the church in the Old Testament never existed. It didn't exist until Pentecost. So there were divisions between between races of people and, and religious differences for people. But when Christ came, he says he died on the cross to take the Jew and the non-Jew and to bring them together in one family, to bring them together in Christ. So look in verse 19. I think this is so cool. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. Look at this phrase, in the household of God. So it's like on the cross, Jesus tore down the walls that separate people, and he built a house and invites all people to come into the household of faith. And we come to that, into that, that home or that family through the cross of Jesus Christ. Notice he says, look at this household of God. What is it built upon? And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief corner in whom all the building fitly framed together grows to a holy temple unto the Lord, in whom you also are builded, there's our word again, together, quickened together, made alive together, sit together, and now he says we're built together for a habitation of God through the Holy Spirit. So walls are barriers. Walls separate. Can you imagine... Could you imagine our church um, erecting a wall, say up here at the podium, all the way across the platform? Or let's, let's say this, in front of the communion table, all right, in front of the communion table. And that as desperate as you might want to come around the Lord's table and accept communion, you were told you cannot pass through that wall. You cannot come to the other side. Imagine what that would be like. But our Lord tore that down. Remember the veil of the temple that was ripped from, from top to bottom by the hand of God that give man access to the presence of God? It was God saying, I'm tearing down everything that separates us. I'm tearing down every, every grudge that we would hold on to of unforgiveness. I'm tearing down every moment of prejudice that a person might have in their heart towards somebody else or any kind of, uh, any kind of bitterness in our heart. God said, I've come to tear that down because I want to build a house, a house that is built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ with him as the cornerstone. And you and I are like bricks in that house. And God puts a brick here and a brick here, and he joins us all together. And what are we building? We're building the household of faith with Jesus Christ as our cornerstone. Listen, anybody can divide, isn't that right? But the Lord comes to unite and to build a household of faith. I told you about, I told you about a Gentile was not allowed to be and the temple. Do you know when they uncovered some of the ruins of Herod's temple that had been destroyed by Titus the Roman general in AD 70, they found inscribed on the temple wall these words. Listen carefully. No foreigner may enter within this barricade which surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. That was on the temple wall. 
that you just couldn't come in. Everybody was not invited. Everybody was not welcome. Jews, because of being descendants of Abraham, believed they were the only ones that would be welcome. And God said, I tear all of that down. And now you're no longer divided, but now we're united into the household of faith. So he came to remove all barriers. He came to tear down all walls that separate people from each other. Last Sunday morning, uh, we observed the Lord's Supper, <clears throat> just a precious time, but we re received the Lord's Supper. And what pictures the unity among believers any better than that right there? I can't find it anywhere in the Scriptures. We all come together. We all take the bread. We all take the cup. And what we're doing, we are saying, we're part of this body. We're part of this body that says to one another, I'll not freeze you out. I'll not be ugly. I'll forgive. I'll extend grace. I'll extend love. That's what the body says, and that's what the body does. Because we don't build barriers. We don't build walls. We're building a house, the household of faith. And the Lord Jesus died on the cross to make us all one, to move together, to accomplish things for him. So listen to what Paul said in Romans 8, and we will close. He said, for I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to, here's the word, separate us. Separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from his love. So we don't allow walls to be built in our lives. Or if, or if they are, and that happens to us from time to time, we ask God to help remove those walls because we're one, as the song says, in the bond of love.